Are we more grateful or are we too grateful already? And if we should be more grateful, how do we? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, film critic, filmmaker, something I for something else, other things that I forgot to label myself as today. Um, happy, happy, uh, great, grateful person. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, and with me, as always, is my gratuitously grateful co-host. Uh, Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and boy, um, just real appreciate. I'm very just a thankful person for Joseph's eloquence in his openings like that was just if you're looking for someone to put in like you know a political situation who could just get up on stage boy joseph <gasps> you're the man i mean that's it <laughs> on point always always on the ball uh i've we've clearly doing this for a while Season i like veteran. how you said and you were looking for your last one and you're like and some other way to describe me that's great <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> Well, today I'm very grateful for for all of you who are indulging uh indul indulging my mishaps. Um but today, which is fitting because today we're going to be discussing whether or not we should be more thankful or grateful. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage with more of our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.world, which, yes, is now live. The website was under a little bit, bit of construction, um, but it is there. It's pretty simple, but it does have a form where you can send us all of your love and hate mail and links to find out more about your hosts. Um, if you do enjoy the podcast um, and you want to meet other overthinkers like yourself, please consider heading over, heading over to our private group on Facebook called The Overthinkers, where we have thousands and thousands and thousands of overthinkers like yourselves getting to great discussions about all the fun stuff we talk about here and posting tons of fun intellectual memes. So head over there. We want, we want you among our ranks. If you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review and sharing with a friend. If you do, we will be so thankful. Hey, see what you did there? All right. Uh, well, without further ado, ready to get started? Yes. Awesome. So gratitude, according to the New York Times piece, gratitude really is good for you is a positive emotion that can arise when you acknowledge that you have goodness in your life and that other people, or higher powers if you believe in them, have helped to achieve that goodness. Scan the internet and it will be easy to find places that talk about the benefits of gratitude, whether that's lower depression and anxiety, increased immune system, and when gratitude is towards other people, a deepening of community bonds with our loved ones. Because of that, it's no wonder that everywhere you go, people are giving tips on how to be more thankful. And societies all over the world have their own versions of Thanksgiving, which are holidays built around giving thanks for what you have. Particularly today, when many people feel that as a culture, we're becoming more and more entitled, such as Stephen Sos, uh, Dr. Stephen Stosny, author of Anger in an Age of Entitlement. And yet, there are people who think that our emphasis on gratitude is actually too much. Alfie Kahn, author of The Homework Myth, expressed the sentiment of many in his Psychology Today piece, The Overselling of Gratitude, that our overemphasis on gratitude can distort our view of the world by making us see the world as more positive than it is and can make it more difficult to acknowledge and accept our negative emotions and experiences and can lead to passivity in changing 
out of toxic relationships and uh, acting against and uh, unjust society structures. Most of us have had the experience of speaking up against bad behavior only to be told that we should be more grateful. So what do you think, Nathan? Are we too grateful or not grateful enough? And how do we find that right balance? Uh, well, funnily enough, I was going to be like, um, you know, this is something we all know, of course, is good. Thankfulness. I had no idea that there were actually people out there who are saying we're too thankful. Because to be completely honest, I, I thought it was fairly obvious to most people that the world is not nearly thankful enough. Um, but I guess there are actual uh, people who disagree with this idea that we should be more thankful. Um, and, and and I guess um, I'm going to roll with that logic that most people think we should be. But I think the the real interesting thing is that most of us aren't, right? Literally. So I guess kind of the interesting thing to me is that we all agree. Well, apparently uh, not all of us, but most of us agree that thankfulness is a good thing. That, in fact, we should have more of it in our own lives. We should have more of it. Um, just a culturally, uh, culture as a whole, we should have more of it. And so it's interesting to see that as a common held value that is good. And we, and most people say whatever part of the religious, religious spectrum, political spectrum, uh, men, women, whatever it is, we're all like, yeah, we should be thankful. Um, why do we struggle with it so much? Because it's pretty clear that, um, from most people's perspectives anyway, that it's a, it's a real difficulty actually for most of us, particularly even um, according to the some of the data, don't ask me to pull it up, but there's some good data to say that people in the West who actually have more, we have um, technically we have a lot more to be thankful for. We have most of there's lower rates of um, poverty. There's lower rates of hunger. There's lower rates of a lot of really wonderful things. Yet in the comparison between happiness and thankfulness, what they found is that um, there's actually a higher degree of thankfulness or happiness very sometimes. And there's a lot of um, nuances to this study um, that I'm referencing that I cannot reference for you. So go find it yourselves. Um, but from what I remember, it was um, saying there's actually a lot more rates, higher rates of happiness, contentedness and thankfulness in countries that are uh, and people who live in countries and places that are actually struggling, struggling a lot more than the West. And so that's a really interesting phenomenon that's happening to me um, is that uh, that thankfulness actually becomes harder when you have more things to be thankful for. And, you know, so I'll, I'll just create a, make a quick um, uh, argument as to why I think thankfulness is of benefit um, and wh why it's something we should have. Cause I guess there is, and or there are people who think that we're too thankful, which is crazy. I'd love to meet them and see what their lives are like. But um, so yeah, I, I, I have found, I'll just speak anecdotally and personally, first of all, that the times I spend in my life complaining, thinking about all the ways I, I have been wronged, um, thinking about all the things I don't have, comparing what I have to what others do, um, has been really detrimental for my mental and just spiritual health. When I spend a lot of time looking at what I don't um, possess and what I don't have in my life, I found it's had negative effect on my life. It's had a negative effect on my relationships, have negative effect even on my pr uh, productivity about what I do, and what I can get done. Where conversely, I have found the more I choose to practice, again, this is not like a natural thing for me. It's not a natural uh, inclination to be thankful. But the more I have chosen to practice to being thankful, the more I have seen positive affect in my life from that practice. I have found myself more content. I have found myself more at ease, less anxious. 
um, and more peaceful with the world and the peaceful army. And like I said, actually more productive. When I'm thankful for what I have, I'm more able to, um, for whatever reason, find the energy to pursue the things I'm passionate about and love. And I'm able to love people better around me. So I have seen personally that being thankful um, is of high value in my life. And and even as a whole, on a whole, just maybe societally, um, I think, you know, again, I'm not the data guy. Joseph can be the data guy. And I'm sure you have some of this. But I, I would argue that when I encounter a group of people, even a country of people who tend towards being thankful for what they have, being content in what they already possess, being um, joyful in the gifts they do have, it's a far better, healthier, mentally healthier place to be. I found those to be uh, those environments to be far um, superior to those who find something to complain about. You know, there's in our minds, there's these people that we know, and, and, I'm, and maybe you are them. Maybe you are this person. You should, you should, um, you know, maybe uh, take some of this to heart. But all most of us right now can think of uh, our friends, you know, and think through our friends. I promise you, you've met a person who you find that is thankful. Who they always find the good in the situation. I'm so thankful, you know, even if it's been a terrible day. Oh my goodness, we made it in from the rain. What an adventure! Um, again, we've talked about toxic positivity. I'm not talking about toxically positive people. I'm talking about people who choose to be thankful for what they do have. Um, uh, and who are constantly talking about the good in their life and what they are thankful. They're honest about the difficulties, but they're they're looking for the ways that they can choose to be thankful. Those are people, and I know it, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Those are people you enjoy being around. Those are people who bring light to the relationships and the environments they are in. Conversely, we can all think of the person who it doesn't matter how good things are going, there's something to complain about. It's so if, you know, you're at a beautiful restaurant um, that, you know, that some people in the upper edge world can only dream of existing in, dream of stepping aside, your beautiful restaurant where people are bringing you food, um, you know that you're sitting across from, they're going to complain about something. Mm, you know, it's a little undercooked, or I don't like how this garnish looks, or that the music's too loud. I know you know someone that has a negative vibe. And again, it's okay to have valid complaints or whatever, but we know these kind of people who have this almost gift in finding the negative in any situation, finding something to complain about. And now think about those two people in your head, and I promise you that you're going to be um, attracted to hanging out and spending time with the person who's thankful. This tells me there's this kind of natural thing in us that um, that drifts towards positivity and goodness and wholeness and thankfulness. So even if, you know, forget the statistics, forget the studies, even just kind of that natural instinct, we're going to be drawn towards someone who's thankful because that means it's going to be more of a life-giving environment to be with them. Um, so I think thankfulness is good. And, you know, lastly, I'll say even scripture talks about thankfulness, how important thankfulness is. This is something that um, that uh, is all throughout scripture, both in the Old Testament. Um, you know, it says, come to God uh, in Thanksgiving. So, so basically approach God with Thanksgiving. And then you can talk about the desires of your heart, the things that are hard, the things you need, the things you don't have. But it literally says the, the process, the order of events is coming to God and thanking him for what you do have. And then going into the, the I, but I also need this. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. And I don't think that's an accident. We see all the way through the New Testament and we see, you know, um, the, the Apostle Paul who 
as he points out, is beaten, is chased, um, is in, in shipwrecks, is tortured, jailed, all these terrible things. And he talks about how he cultivates a spirit of thanksgiving, even in the midst of terrible things happening to him. And we, all, we also see that um, his, his uh, person, because of this, has gone on to be one of the most uh, influential people uh, in, the, in all of history. And I think, you know, and so I, this is a guy I listen to. This is a guy who talks about how important thankfulness is. Um, even the night before Jesus is going to get killed, the night that he's going to be betrayed by one of his best friends, he actually lifts his voice up and thanks for what he has. Um, so we see this image of um, intellectual and spiritual giants, you know, one of them being God, uh, and all through scripture, we see this in, both anecdotally in our own lives, and I can talk about it very personally in my own life, that thanks, thankfulness is a beautiful and good thing that makes us healthier in the world around us healthier. And so I haven't gotten to why it's so hard for us. And I so I will, I promise. But before I do that, I want Joseph to jump in and kind of give your thoughts on why is thankfulness good or is it good apparently because people disagree. Why is it good? And then let's and then maybe jump in. You can kind of set the stage for why is it so difficult for us, especially here in the West? Yeah, really great, great thing. Yeah, I, mean, I think it is one of those things where it, it, there is a large consensus, certainly academically and um and in folk kind of you know uh wisdom that gratitude is a good thing i mean obviously our all our cultures have holidays built around being thankful you know our religions you know our, our religious rituals are built around being thankful and um and again all the data is like okay yeah you are less likely to get sick if you like once a day express gratitude i mean again it boosts your immune system like it you know increases it de decreases anxiety and depression and and when you when the the uh the psychologists who talk about like what the process of gratitude is like what does it's it is acknowledging the good things that happen in life and that those things and the things that are good that happen in life that didn't come from you and you know, for most of us, for, for everybody, most of the good things in your life don't come from you. I'm not going to sit here and say that nothing that, you know, that that we don't self-create any of our own happiness. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that's not true because there are aspects of like, okay, I do this thing and I did this thing. I feel proud of that. But the vast majority of the good things in our life had nothing to do with us. And for some reason, that makes us feel amazing to know that we live in a world that gives good things for us that we didn't have to earn. And as Christians, we take that to some a cosmic conclusion that at the bottom and top of all reality is a God who orchestrates events and acts in the world to give gifts to us in this way. But um, I think we're just taking it to its cosmic logical conclusion with that. But even religious and secular people alike, if you can look at the world and say, wow, here is something that some person did for me or some group of people's society did for me and that was good, we become so much happier. And I think one of the things, again, we've talked a lot on the show about you know, the increase in anxiety and depression that we're experiencing society. And we're saying, what can we do about that? And we find that just, just acknowledging once a day that we are, um, that, 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 oh, here's something that is good in my life that somebody else did for me 
that's all it takes in order to fight back that tidal wave of despair. It seems to me that that's a, a amazing, important thing to do. Just be thankful for what you got. And, and also on the flip side of it, and I guess this sort of goes to your to your point, I mean, so like, I'll I'll go back a little bit with this because I, I'll this next point is a good segue to your point. But is that um, it doesn't seem like the, the fear that a lot of people have is with regarding gratitude, and it is reading. I'll give a link in the show notes for people because you know the the article that I referenced about you know why we're too grateful as a society. Um, it definitely, like, you read this, like, man, there's some curmudgeonly stuff going on here. But the fear is that if we are too grateful, we won't actually change the things that are bad in the world. And that that will be used to um, to keep us trapped, you know, uh, in 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 bad situations. I and and there's 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 some you know, evidence for that in terms of like, you know, people who are more grateful are more likely to approve of the status quo in various situations. There's some, but there's not a lot of actual evidence that not be, that being ungrateful makes you more likely to create positive change in the world. In fact, you know, the, the guy who wrote um, anger in the age of entitlement found that, you know, people, the people who feel like the world owes them more than it's giving them are more likely to try to change things in the world in a way that's toxic and destructive, um, in a way that hurts other people and is not persuasive. It creates you know toxic anger. It's more like that's they're going to try to change the world more in that way. Also, again, you know, the increased anxiety and depression makes you less energetic. You know, and makes you less. You know, you just you're just trying to you just have to close in on yourself and just sort of self care. And so then you can't actually be an energetic way of acting in the world. So I think that people who are afraid that if you are grateful, you're not going to actually make positive change. I just don't think that there's a lot of good psychological evidence for that. Um, but the final thing, and that this leads into sort of your your question about like why this is so hard, is I think the practice of gratitude actually gives us a better, a closer view of reality. And the reason I say this is because it's well known in psychology the fact that our brain biases us toward negative negativity and it biases us toward negativity as a survival mechanism mechanism because you know our ancestors who you know had when they were looking in the bushes if there was a tiger in the bushes and sweet berries in the bushes it was really important that we notice the tiger in the bushes more <laughs> than the sweet berries in the bushes and so our brain has a a psychological bias toward the negativity in the world and so it takes actual, and this is why the Gottman Institute talks about how, you know, it, it takes like five positive things to say about somebody to even out saying one negative thing to them. And that's, you know, and the, and because that we, that's how much louder we hear the negative. And so we need to, as a ritual, to practice up being grateful on purpose just to see reality as it actually is ahead of our biases in the same way that we have to, in order to like, you know, to stop growing weaker and weaker, we have to choose to exercise. 
for some way our bodies are built and our minds are built, the practice of gratitude just to see reality as it actually is has to be something we do on purpose. So that's those are my arguments of, of why gratitude, the ritual of gratitude is important. And But now you go ahead and, and talk more about the why it's so hard part of it. Well, I want to actually, because I'm so glad you actually talked about the article that you brought up, um, you know, and explaining why some people think that we're we're too grateful and, and with it comes and that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I understand why people would be worried about that now that I kind of hear it in context that there is this fear that if you're too grateful, you're not going to pay attention to the things that need to be done. My pushback on that before I get to why it's so hard to be, I want to address it because that's a, I thought it was really interesting. It's good to hear what, people's logic behind, you know, why they believe that we might be too, too grateful. That could be. I know some people who they don't they want to keep a status quo. Um, because of the great things that they have in their life, which means that they're going to keep the great things in their life and a lot of people are going to suffer because they're not going to act or give or whatever that might be. And I, of course, I'm not going to say that that can't can happen. My pushback would be if you choose to not be grateful, um, as we can see through data, um, it will make you more anxious. It will make you more angry. It'll make you um, more bitter, more cynical. And so, and it might be actually true that it will cause you to go out and do more things to make change in the world. But I would say that a anxious, bitter, cynical person make trying to make change in the world probably rarely makes good or beautiful or wonderful change. You know, if you look at every superhero villain, like they are discontent. They are not thankful for what they have. You know, the one that possibly had is obviously Loki. He is not content with his life, what he's been given, what he has. And so he actually goes about trying to change it. Uh, and trying to um, uh, address the needs that he feels in his life. And he just so happens, because he's a bitter, anxious, angry person, so happens trying to do that by killing lots and lots and lots of people. And then, and so th that's an interesting thing, uh, thing to think about, is that, yes, um, unthankfulness might lead you towards change, but what kind of change is it leading you to, and what, what kind of methodology to implement that change might it be leading you to? Now, of course, on the other side of that, Thor has ways to grow, right? He is happy with the status quo. He's happy being the, the cool, big, older brother who gets all the love and doting from everybody. Um, so he has growing to do too. But there is a clear distinction between the, who the hero and who the villain is in this. And both of them have flaws. Neither of them is just a perfect character. Thor does need to see um, the, the need in the world and does need to act on it. But he does. But it's not out of a place of, um, of anger, bitterness, and anxiety. Um, or rage, it's a place out of actual, I would say that if someone is actually, typically, I'm, I'm talking about the normal person with empathy functions, not a sociopath. If someone is thankful for what they have, there will be a natural instinct to, I have this. And like you said, Joseph, it's something that was given to me that I didn't necessarily deserve. So this means that I need to go and help other people. There's actually a desire to that. I have so much I want to give to other people. Now, I'm not discounting human greed. We obviously know that exists. But I would say the healthier, healthier you can make somebody, the more likely they are to share and give what they have. And the more unhealthy you make somebody, the more likely they are to justify taking from someone else and and leaving a, a negative mark on the world and so that would be my gentle pushback uh to a and actually an understandable position on that i just don't think it's the right way of going about it i do think that thankfulness 
in a healthy person, what, well, thankfulness, one, can make us more healthy, and thankfulness acted, I'm not talking about complacency, I'm talking about actual thankfulness can actually encourage people to go and give um, and be more generous. You know, the people, again, this is anecdotal, but the people in my life who are the most thankful are very often the people who give the most. And so I would actually say that encouraging people who are complacent and people who who are angry to be thankful might actually give us a better world because that's going to create healthier people who are actually going to um, act on those natural human emotions of empathy and thankfulness uh, for what they have to give the world what they have um, in excess. So that's my one thing. Why is it so hard to be thankful? Well, I think it's exactly what you said. We are predisposed naturally, physically, are um, to you know to see the negative in the world, right? We, you know, if you think about the early early people. Um, we had to evolve this understanding of what we don't have. So I am hungry. I don't have food. And so you you were created to get that, that natural and I need food. And sometimes um, it's not just food you go find. Sometimes you're going to see someone else who does have food and that's going to exacerbate the problem. Um, but I think it's a natural human emotion, um, not even emotion, a, a function of the brain. It's a, it's a survival function to recognize the things you don't have in relation to the things you want and need. That's a normal Thing. And so I think that even in the West, where we have so, 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 so much comparatively compared to other um, nations, we are still hyper aware of our needs. And we have the added um, problem of being exposed to everyone else's um, uh, stock. Uh, by stock, I mean what they have. So if you um, are in need of a, a romantic relationship, well, you're going to open Instagram. You're going to see 5,000 happily married couples are getting married or um, get, you got the girlfriend or boyfriend. You're going to be exposed to that, which is going to exacerbate your ability to be thankful. It's going to make it's going to make that um, need even more emotionally entrenched in your mind. Um, not only do I not have this, everyone else does have this. Right. Um, if you are you know, struggling financially, again, open Facebook. You're going to sc scroll through five. 10, 20, 100 people. I got a raise. I just bought this car. Look at this cool house I got. I went on a trip. And so again, it's going to have this function where it actually makes that need bigger and bigger and bigger. So you're going to start, because of the evolutionary building in our heads, start identifying not only what you don't have, but what everyone else has. And this is where the birth of envy comes from. Um, I, we need to, I guess, define the difference between envy and jealousy because I want to use them interchangeably. Um, but you know, whatever it might be, you're going to start seeing what other people have. Um, we, this didn't, wasn't always the case. I, I do think, at least not to this degree, we've talked about this a lot. And I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for us going and living a anomalous lifestyle and getting rid of social media, but I am advocating for us being aware of how it affects us. Because in the old days, you know, think about the turn of the century. Um, for the most part, you grew up in a little town, you know, take some, you know, little town. You're, you might, you're going to have needs and wants for all the same things you have now, but you're not going to be exposed to everyone in the world who has more than you. You're going to be exposed maybe to a couple people in town who have more than you, but even getting it seems a little more, um, a little more realistic where it's like now, um, let's say I want to, you know, I, I, I want to improve my finances. I'm not looking at someone who's a little better off than me or has a better job. Well, I, I can do that. I can go about getting that. I can go, you know, study a little harder. I can train with the blacksmith. I don't know what they did in small town, but you know, and I can get a better job. Now you're going to be exposed to literally 50 billionaires who are on yachts. And so it is a harder thing, I think, mentally and emotionally now, especially with the advent of social media. It's hard hard to not hyper-focus on all the things we don't have, which has a very negative effect 
on our ability to be thankful, which as we've shown is a really positive affect if you choose to do it. So I think one of the reasons it's so difficult is because there's almost a never ending supply of images, videos, information about the things we don't have and all the people who have them. And it's so potent and it's so emotionally resonant. It can really, really um, make us live in this constant state of what you don't have because you're faced with what everyone else does has all the time. So I think that's one of the reasons it's really, really hard. I also think the second reason after this, I'll let you jump in is we're used to the, to the amazing things we have. You know, there's this old bit um, that Louis CK did um, RAP, um, his career, uh, <laughs> but it was a, it was a genius bit. And he did on one of the, the late night shows where he talks about, um, he, he went on a plane, he got on a plane and it, this was kind of back a while ago and they had just introduced a Wi-Fi. It was like a brand new thing on planes. Now it's like, and he's like, this guy walks on the plane and they're like, Hey everybody, just so you know, um, this is our flight is now equipped with Wi-Fi. Can you believe it? It's a, it's an amazing new thing. And, you know, they're in the middle of the air and, and the Wi-Fi stops working. And this guy turns and can you believe this? Ugh. And he starts being like entitled, just angry and, you know, entitled. And Louis C.K. is like, that's crazy. Three seconds ago, this thing didn't even invent. It wasn't even invented. It didn't exist. And now you're complaining that you don't have it while you are in a chair soaring through the air. But we're all used to airplanes, right? Think about the pioneers. They would spend months crossing just one state in a covered uh, a wagon, and they're probably going to die of dysentery. If you've played Oregon Trail, shout out to my Oregon Trail millennials out there. Um, let's all go hunting. Anyway, um, but you know, but we're so used to planes now, we don't have that comparison, um, that, that kind of opposite comparison. Oh, look what other people don't have and I do have. That's a hard thing for us to see. We're used to all the amazing things in our life. We're used to um, instant food. We're used to instant sex on apps. We're used to instant everything in our life. Um, we are so used to it that it, it's no longer amazing or something to be thankful for. It's just something to be taken uh, taken for granted that that's almost a given, right? Um, that of course we have Wi-Fi and phones and running water and housing thing. And you know, they, I've heard this a million times when people talk about going and traveling to another country and experiencing um, what it's like in a developing nation, and they come back with this, "Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful!" And all of a sudden, you start seeing everything in your life through this new lens. You see your phone. Right now I'm holding an, an iPhone, or I was. Um, I gotta be honest, guys. I wasn't holding an iPhone when I said that, but it is down there, I'm not gonna reach. Um, but you know, right next to me is this piece of glass that's worth thousands of dollars. It has the entire, every single bit of uh, knowledge of history on it. Everything I could wanna watch, all in the palm of my hand. And to me, it's pedestrian. It's nothing because I've had it, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. So one of the problems is we're used to all the amazing things we have and we're not often exposed to um, the, you know, the opposite direction. We're not often exposed to how um, to people who have less than us and um, which can put in context and perspective how much we do have. So it's kind of we're overexposed to the perspective of what we don't have. We're underexposed to the perspective of what we do have. Um, and I think you know, people will say, well, entitlement's a problem, but I think that's where entitlement comes from. We've gotten used to the things we already have and we need and want more and see people with them. So we believe that we should have them too. So, you know, there's a, there's a multifaceted, a lot of layers here, but Joseph, what would you add to that list? Why it's so difficult to be thankful, Matt? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The way you summed it up of being overexposed to the things that we don't, that we don't have and underexposed to the things that we do have, you know, um, uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman, and you know, has talked about the fact that, and he's a neurologist. He, he, and he's not the only person who's talked about it, but he does a lot of videos that are easy to find about how 
you know, the reason that partly that we, you know, our brains are wired to, um, to, to, uh, the way they are is to help us strive to do more and become better, to better ourselves. We're, we're wired to try to better ourselves. And that's why whenever we get a certain amount of, of, of things in our life that make us feel good, our brain is wired to create a new baseline where, man, this is amazing. This tastes good. This feels good is whatever. And I have this consistently. Okay. Now this is not something that is a wonderful gift. This is now my baseline. And I'm going to not notice this too much because that would prevent me from going, from saying, okay, what can I do that's more? And I think that, you know, again, I think that's not a bug exactly. It's a feature that God has built into us to try to, you know, build the world, the kingdom of God, make the world better, make our lives better, do more and and strive more. That's a good thing. But it does then make us lose perspective and say, oh, okay, this thing that, you know, is an amazing gift, we don't notice anymore, which is why, again, we need these gratitude rituals in order to contextualize it. But the thing is that what's unique about today is, I think, as you alluded to, is the rapid... um uh, increase in um, new baselines being created. We used to, like, you know, it would take us a long time to, you know, make a certain, you know, to, 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 like, to, to get a new phone or to get a new something like that. Now it's, uh, and so we'd be like, wow, this is an amazing accomplishment. And so we would have the high a little bit more. And then, you know, we would, it would take us a while. And then we'd get another big TV or whatever thing like that. Now it's like, Every year, there's a new iPhone. It's like the oversaturation of like Marvel movies. Like, oh, we have to wait two or three years for another Marvel movie. Now it's four a year, and there's TV shows. It's the the uh, and that has increased our uh, inability to actually see um, uh, how beautiful these things are in the world. So that's that's the the aspect of it. What I would add is that, but the, I will also is that. The world today has increased our inability to see how these things are forming our new baseline as our new baseline. And I'll just add one more thing as a context to what you're saying is that the reason that we our brains are built to compare ourselves to others is to give us a model of what we can compete with so that we can actually strive to compete with it. And the thing is, now what you're what these, you know, Instagram or whatever is doing is it's hacking our brains to make us see those people as people we can reasonably compare ourselves to when we can't because they're in a completely different context with completely different, you know, uh, completely different um, circumstances. And so it's not reasonable to compare ourselves to them, but we feel like it is because that's what we're built to do. So yeah, so all all of that said, there's a lot of reasons why both just innately, you know, in our psychology, we need those gratitude rituals because um, we we see the negative more than the positive, and how modern culture hacks our brains to make us even more incapable to see that. But yeah, so now what you know, as we're wrapping this up, what would you uh, what would you say? Oh, we don't you know have to wrap it up super fast, but like, what would you as say is the ways that people can actually, you know, find ways to um, fight back. Because again, we've always had gratitude rituals to do, but our modern day is almost working 
completely against our ability to have effective gratitude rituals. So how would you advise people to inform gratitude rituals in their lives that can combat sort of all the society movement? Well, I I love what you brought up about baselines because this is scientifically backed. We are not making this up. This has been shown over and over and over again for decades about the the human's ability to create a new baseline. One of the easiest ways to see this is in porn, right? Um, We've seen one of the most trackable, forget all your, your moral qualms with it, fine, that's fine. But there's actually practical qualms that scientists have tracked over many, many years. What they found is that an overexposure to consistently to, um, you know, highly, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, to porn, to a very, very explicit porn. What it does actually creates a dissatisfaction with real women. Um, uh, I'm speaking particularly to to males here. They they tracked a lot of um, guys when they would do this. And that, you know, it, this actually, uh, I think it's brought up as a reason, like in 90% of divorces, it's brought up as one of the, one of the, one of the primary reasons. And it's created this new baseline for what they're going to be attracted to or desire um, sexually from someone. And so that's created a dissatisfaction, an unthankfulness for what they do have. And it's really, really interesting to see in this kind of mindset, this idea of baselines that we can see demonstrably evidenced by scientists um, in consumption of porn. That's a great um, kind of uh, metaphor for almost everything else in our lives. Right. Uh, There's a sociologist that was said we were never meant to be exposed to this many um uh, he's talking about pornography, this many beautiful, perfect airbrushed edited people, uh, you know, the amount of images, even forget porn, just of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people who are, by the way, not real. They're, you know, we have way, mo- almost every single Instagram um, star or model or whatever has been called out or caught um, uh, tweaking with Photoshop or whatever the new app is nowadays, um, Facetune, I think, um, making themselves look more beautiful. So we're exposed to these highly, um, to pervasive and just endless amounts of images that are creating new baselines and these new baselines aren't actually based on anything real you know even if you look at like uh, say riches a lot of people who you might think are rich on uh, instagram are actually deeply in debt they couldn't afford that car and they're barely making the payments on it um you know a lot of people who are traveling oh they get to go to this beautiful place yeah and you didn't see how they had to sit in the middle seat the whole time um just to be able to afford by the way that's me if ever you see me travel i'm not traveling in style guys i'm traveling because i have to and it's miserable i want to stay home for the rest of my life um because i'm not rich enough to travel like the and but even when you do see people who are amazingly beautiful are amazing rich like joseph said those are different circumstances and you ought not to compare yourself or what you have to them you know i made a choice back a while ago to not compare myself to my friends not compare myself to anyone on um on instagram or whatever because i got you know i got this one bedroom apartment if you don't know one bedroom apartments in new york city are like impossible to get on a on a budget and somehow i found this it's, it's a one bed. I say that's very generous. It's, it was a room with a closet that could barely fit a bed. But I decided when I got that, I was so happy. I decided to be happy that I got this. By the way, I have friends and know people who are living in penthouses, but I'm going to be thankful for the thing that I have because it's so wonderful. And I'm going to be, I'm going to find, and I found that I was so much more happy with what I had. So yeah, part of, you know, you ask, how can we combat this? I think there's a few ways. The first one is just making that choice, right? We are going to be predisposed to seeing all the things we don't have. Like we talked about it's biological it's psychological um 
So one is making the choice to be thankful for what you do have. And sometimes one of the things that can make that easier is choosing not to just look at everyone who has more than you, but choosing to pay attention to people who have less than you. And it's not a way of feeling better than that. That it will not solve it. It's a way of saying, oh, my goodness, I've been blessed and I don't deserve it, by the way. Don't think of this like, well, I work. I did all this thing and I deserve this. Look at what you have, especially the things that you got that you don't deserve um, that you were given to by your family or friends or just situation that you could have never um, uh, you could have never orchestrated. Look at those things and be thankful for them. Um, and so you can kind of see how much you have. And then you, and then another thing I, on top of that, I would say that helping me were thankful is actually learn how to go and give like we were talking about earlier. Let that thankfulness lead you to a generosity. I remember my parents when I was very young. By the way, they were not rich. They were struggling writers, um, but they were also wanted to make us hyper aware of how blessed we were. So on Christmas for many years, um, uh, uh, for many years as kids, they would take us to a, a different charities. You know, some some of them were like um, Operation uh, Christmas. Uh, I can't remember what it was called Christmas Child by Samaritan's Purse, where they, you know, you they would have us go and give gifts to kids. You know, I'm going home and getting a bike and, and here I am seeing a kid go crazy over like a little um, Walmart toy. And all of a sudden, my little mind, it gave me context and thankfulness for what I had. And it gave me a desire for a greater generosity. So choosing to go and be generous to people who don't have as much as you have will help you be thankful. And it'll be this kind of symbiotic relationship where it'll help you be thankful and it'll hopefully encourage you to be more generous. So I'd say make that first step of starting that process of being generous, of seeing how much you have in comparison to many people who don't. Um, and then choosing to not always look and compare yourself um, to the people who quote have the things you don't um, so and sometimes that takes grit that takes saying i'm not going to look at porn so i'm going to be thankful for the the beautiful real woman i have right here that takes not looking um at you know <laughs> i've heard of this new trend of um and i totally get it i do it too by the way this is self-admitting but i have to stop like um you know going on trulia or zillow and looking at the 10 million dollar mansions that i'll never be able to afford and choosing maybe to not look at those and see the things that will kind of foster bitterness in your heart and instead look at the things that are within your reach that you do have and be like wow i'm so glad and i'm able to have those so it does take some grit it does take some choice to kind of turn those voices and those images off whatever they might be in your life that is making you bitter that is making you anxious making you feel entitlement um, and look at what you do have and hopefully when you do that when you are thankful that will out uh, that will spill out into a generosity and there'll be the kind of the self-feeding function that happens in your life where you are thankful and you're able to give to others um, and it'll inspire you actually to change the world but yeah it does take will this is not something, again, as we've talked about over and over, this is not a natural thing for humans. Humans are not naturally thankful. We're naturally complaining people who say, I don't have this and I want it. And that person has it. We're naturally those kids that you see in Sunday school or wherever you are. It's like, well, his cookie's bigger than mine, right? That, that is who we are naturally. But I promise you, your life will be better practically, not just because, you know, oh, no, very practically, your life will be better. You will be happier. You will be healthier if you learn how to foster thankfulness in your life and it does take an act of the will because it's not natural to us. So that would be my kind of my, my last statements on this. Joseph, anything to wrap us up? Yeah, I would say there there's stuff that you can do individually that has been helpful for me. And I agree with everything that Nathan just said. Um, and there's stuff to do with other people. So the first is that one thing I really was helpful for me when I was in college and that was, you know, Going to college in New York City was the first time that I was like living away from home. And, you know, because I was homeschooled growing up and it was the first time living away from home and doing things on my own. And I was like, you know, there, there, and, and there was a lot of 
places where I had to, you know, figure out how to be satisfied with my life and, and, and not having things I wanted. And one thing I found that was incredibly helpful was, and people talk about, you know, making gratitude lists and, and there's, but what I did, what I was extremely helpful was I made a list of all the things in my life that I liked about my life. And then I also included on that list the things in my life I didn't have that I wanted. And what for me that was really helpful was, is it didn't pretend that there weren't things about my life that I was unhappy about um, and that I did want, still wanted that I didn't have. But it was able to show me by comparison, look at all of the things that are in my life that are good. And so it would contextualized in a very real way the things that I lacked versus the things that I had. So that's one thing I recommend is a list that's both um, the things you're grateful for and the things that you still want, because that helped my mind to have both of those things in my head at the same time. Even as I was desiring things and ambitious and trying to strive for things, it was within the context, relativized in the context of what I was grateful for. The other thing is participate in the rituals that your culture has already figured out for this. Again, for, you know, there are, there are, you know, thousands of years of us trying to figure out how to solve this problem, you know? So again, if you're religious, you know, go to church, like actually go to church. And because that has built in rituals to remind you of the things to be grateful for, say grace before meals, like if you're religious, because again, that is built people who do that people who go to church regularly more than three times a month. And people who go to do grace before meals are more grateful. They feel more grateful because it's contextualizing. Oh, yes, this is a thing that I might not have that somebody else did for me. And so what again? So if you're religious, there are all those things for, you know, if you're not, again, find the things that you do with your that your friends, and your culture does and embrace those because doing things with your other people is incredibly helpful to do. I also this Washington Post uh, and I'll put the link in the in the show notes talked about something you can do is that one of the amazing things is doing it to your individual relationships is they found they did experiments that if people give thank you notes, little thank you notes or give little thank you messages to their friends, a couple things happen. First of all, people always underestimated how much the other person would appreciate that expression of gratitude. Every time that people ask, well, how much will they appreciate? How much loved will they feel that? Every single time people underestimated how much the other person valued it. The other thing is once the person shared their appreciation for being appreciated, those bonds of, of, of love between the increased and people wanted to do more things for each other. So one thing is I would suggest is don't make it abstract, actually build the ritual to you know, again, do thank you notes or, you know, whatever, thank you messages or texts, you know, to your friends. What are the things that my friends have done for me? And do that for them and do that regularly, because not only will that remind you of the things that are good in your life, but it will actually make your friends feel more appreciated and loved by you and build those relationships and become a sort of self, um, a self-sustaining cycle. So those are the things that I would suggest that have been helpful in my life that and that there's some research to back up if you are having trouble with gratitude, because it's it's something 
clearly that we all know that we should do. And like Nathan, you said, it's hard to do. It's something you have to try to do. But yet we all know that our lives will be better for it. So any way you can find, it seems like a worthwhile thing to do. I would also add, it's like anything else. The more you do it, the easier it becomes and it becomes a habit. I have found this in my own life. Again, not naturally thankful. I'm a natural complainer. I don't have this. I want this. I want this. Um, but the more I've chosen to, to be thankful, the easier it gets and the more affect I feel on my life from the positivity of thankfulness, which is a spiritual and a practical and a psychological truth that you can experience if you choose to go down that path. Um, but anyway, uh, so I hope you guys are thankful for this episode. Uh, we are very thankful for you guys. Like seriously, actually, I do I do want to say this. We are so thankful that we get to do this. Um, most most people don't get to just get on somewhere and talk ad nauseum about what they think and be wrong and laugh and hang out with their friends and have a bunch of people join in. We are so thankful for you. Seriously, we, we could not do this and we would not do this without you. We are so happy and grateful that you choose out of your time on earth that you will spend an hour with us once a week. So thank you for being here. I am thankful for you. Um, I'm like mid thankful for Joseph. Um, you know, there's here, there, I'm like, yeah, I guess that's all right. But you know, so I'm, I'm mid thankful for Joseph, but I'm mostly thankful for you guys out there. No, it's easy to be thankful for you guys. We have to work to be thankful for each other. Exactly. <laughs> but now a, a segment we are both very thankful for Joseph. Man, well, good on those. I am grateful and thankful for how good you are at your segues. Thank um, you. I, oh yes, our our new, our, 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 one of our favorite segments, and we have two, uh, is Blesses and Curses of the Week, where we take a work of art, media, or resource that we um, want to recommend, i.e. bless or dis, i.e. curse. So uh, we both were uh, struggling to figure out, uh, figure out uh, what our blessed curses were going to be for the episode, but I think we've got some pretty good ones. Uh, so Nathan, what are your blesses and curses? And I'm still struggling on a curse. Um, I don't know why. I cannot think of... Well, I'll do my bless first. I'm going to bless an oldie but a goodie, and this is right in line with Thanksgiving. It's like there's there's only been like three movies made for Thanksgiving, but like one of them was just like so good, but it's called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with <laughs> Steve Martin and John Candy. This is a classic, beautiful film. Uh, truly, it's also very, very hilarious, and it's a little crude, so if you know, you're squeamish for crude jokes, it's not your thing. Um, but, you know, I love Steve Martin. He's always hilarious. Um, I also love John Candy. He's all, also hilarious. Rest in peace. Um, this is a, I don't want to give too much away, but it's about two unlikely men. One has everything in the world and he is a humbug, angry, bitter, and one has nothing. And he is happy and joyful. And, um, and it's these two men go on a journey to get home for Thanksgiving. And it's how they affect each other, how they interact with each other's worlds and, um, what function thankfulness can serve in our lives and the health of our minds and hearts and spirits. And it's in, and also you just get to have fun laughing at Steve Martin and John Candy being hilarious the entire time, but it really is, has a beauty beneath it's silly and funniness and a real touching um, spirit. So I highly encourage uh, this Thanksgiving, uh, as long as you don't mind a couple of crude jokes, if you haven't seen it, watch the classic planes, trains and automobiles, fantastic movie. Um, as far as curse, man, this is tough. I, I can't, think of something i know there's like so many good things out there that are like movies that are kind of breeding discontentment and, and anger 
And um, I want that and I don't have it. Um, maybe, I don't know, like Entourage or something. I've never seen it, but it seems like a movie where everyone's angry about what they don't, or a show that everyone's angry about what they don't have and they go about terrible ways to get it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to curse. Probably just because I'm so positive. Um, I can't even think, I'm so thankful for things. I can't even get into the mindset of cursing something. But, you know, I'm going to curse whatever kind of um, show, movie, book, breeds discontentment um so that's a big vague one and a cough out but i'm just too much in a thankful mood to get specific about what i'm not thankful about so joseph all right i'll do the heavy lifting this episode um i will say um yes so first my bless i i think one of the best books that i've read where they show a picture of how toxic um uh, complaining and bitterness can be is something we have blessed on the show before, but not in a while. It's C.S. Lewis is a great divorce. They actually, he goes through, it, in that story, it's a sort of a fable where he goes through different people who have an opportunity to leave hell and go to heaven. And the the things that they're holding on to, the bad attitudes, the things that are they're, that keep them from being able to enter paradise, which is an interesting metaphor for how we keep ourselves out of the good life on our own by our own, um, by just our own unwillingness to give stuff up, and so there, there is a couple, particularly one, like really good picture of how he describes that a grumbler can cease to be a grumbler and simply then become a grumble, and once a person is no longer a grumbler but a grumble, can they even be saved? And that's a fascinating. So there's there's amazing stuff that he does in there. And if you've ever read C.S. Lewis, you know he's really good at that. So if you're wanting to get a good picture, that's one I recommend. Also, uh, we the the movie. If you want to talk about movies about you know gratitude and learning to see appreciate your life, it's hard to get better than Up. It you know it's just amazing movie. Um, you know uh, everyone's made the jokes about how the first 15 minutes always make make anyone cry if they're really human that's the new ai test is whether or not you cry at the beginning of up but the whole story is really an odyssey to say here's the dream i have for my life and that's what i'm going after but oh actually i what i do have is amazing and, and worth being appreciative of so i will um so yeah bless that for my curse i'm going to curse and i can't say too much spoilery about this movie because nathan hasn't seen it but I did get to see the movie um, based on the book Foe. And I read the book Foe this year on Nathan's recommendation. I really liked it. And the movie came out. And the movie was terrible on many levels. Just like, you know, uh, editing and, you know, no! and all, yeah, it's all of the. I yeah. wanted this to be good. I love the book. I, I will read anything Ian Reid writes. That is so disappointing. But I'm hoping you're wrong. I'm you you really, know, we, we yeah. have disagreed before. I don't think that you will disagree with me on this, but I will say it's, yeah, just a filmmaking standpoint and just like, oh, oh, honey. But it also, I think one thing it does that the book does not do is it valorizes entitlements and ingratitude and not and and valorizes it in a way that makes it a virtue and also makes it something that justifies you treating people badly and and. In, in in order to because you are entitled to something that they're not giving you and so i think that it's it's extremely toxic message wise and it's just not 
good film wise. So anyway, Nathan can watch it, and then when he does, he can come back on the show and either add to my curse or or uh, explain to me why I'm wrong. But that's uh, d- pass on it. You know, you don't, you don't. People don't need to see it. Um, oh man, uh, I really hope you're wrong. I, I, but I also think that these his books are so cerebral. They're so. Um, you're in the mind of the people. There's almost no way, and I hate being this guy, but to film an interior monologue in the way he writes. And I think that's a strength. So I think it's going to be hard. So I could see why it would be difficult. But that's interesting about the thankfulness. I'm curious to see how that plays out. So I will come back on and let you guys know what I think of actually a book we've blessed many times. And now we just cursed the movie. So, all right, we'll see. So anyway, we'll, again, again, I want to just echo what Nathan said before, that we're just so thankful for you guys uh, listening to our show. Very grateful for you. We would not be doing this without you. And again, you know, we, the two of us love to discuss things, uh, you know, these deep ideas. It's the fact that you guys give us the opportunity to do this um, and think we have something of value to say uh, really is it's, it's uh, it, it means a lot. It means a lot to more, more than you guys know. So thank you so much. Um, Nathan, if people want to uh, engage with us uh, more deeply and, uh, you know, give us, send us love or hate mail uh, and or get to know fellow overthinkers, uh, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.world and they can send us all of their love and hate mail there. Uh, their thank and thankless mail there. They can also go to our online private Facebook group, The Overthinkers. So head over there. We want you among our overthinkers ranks. If you want to get in touch with me and find out what I'm up to, go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. Joseph? Uh, you can find me at josephholmstudios.com. You can also find my regular writing work at religionunplugged.com and uh, find me on any of the socials as well. Thank you all so very much for joining us today. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm